We're in this series that we're starting today called Peace on Earth. And if there's one thing I'm really sick of hearing about right now, uh, it's fear. I'm sick of fear being given a place in our world, particularly in Christians. Uh, we had this really cute series planned for Christmas up until this week. And it was going to be fluffy, and it was called Home for Christmas. And I was going to say, does, G- does the message of Christmas have a home? And it was going to be real, and I just can't do that. So we scrapped it literally this week, and I went with this because I believe this is the message of Christmas, is fear not. God came to bring peace on earth. That's what the message is about. The message of Christmas, you guys got to come with me. It's been five weeks. Uh, The message of Christmas is not give the headlines to the world. It's not uh, live in fear. It's not, hey, we sent baby in a manger so that I hope you make it. The message of Christmas is like your hero has come. Peace on earth. You have what you need. Amen. And, And so when I think about the message of Christmas, there's a lot of ways you can go about it. But there's one thing that rings out loudly in the Christmas message. And it's this phrase that says, fear not or do not be afraid. We're going to look at four of the main players in the Christmas story, and you'll see how they encountered angels and heavenly hosts coming and saying one clear thing, um, fear not, don't be afraid. Amen? Uh, And the truth is, about all our lives, we all deal with fear. Fear is real. And so as much as I want to be over fear, and I'm sick of hearing fear, and I'm sick of fear having a place and given uh, authority or a platform, the truth is, fear is real. We have fear of failure. We have fear of the future. We have fear of our past. We have fear uh, of opportunity. Some of us just get scared of opportunity and fear creeps in. But the message of Christmas and the message of the Savior and the message of our everyday Savior is do not be afraid. You have what you need. You've, you got what it takes to be equipped to be successful. Amen? I mean, even just this word Savior He came and he saved us from all of it. He's our savior. He saved us from death, hell, and the grave, but he also saved us from living like losers. He came to bring us power and authority and victory, and so we don't have to live in fear and live low. Amen? But the trouble is with our culture is there's this saying in the news media that says this. It says, if it bleeds, it leads meaning the worst stories go first. If it's the grossest, if it's the scariest, if it's the most extreme, give that the lead. And so we have this wheel or this agenda of news that just promotes fear and extreme and mess. When Jesus said, I know I've come and he's going to be wonderful counselor, prince of peace. Every time the angel showed up and we'll look at it, it says, hey, I've come to bring you what? Great tidings of what? Joy. Not if it bleeds, it leads. Hey, I'm coming to bring you good news. Amen? And so we all deal uh, with, with fear and with struggle and things essentially being told they're out of order. This is out of order. This is out of order. This isn't going to work. This is doom and gloom. And you all know what I'm talking about. That clip that you just saw, that's like all of that has happened in like the last six months. All that you just saw. When, when, when you were raised in church, uh, or when you grew up, because many of you are so old, um, <clears throat> you, <laughs> uh, many of you went through like all of elementary school and didn't see that much heaviness. 
in your whole, and this is a six-month period. And, and so what does it mean? It, it, it could lead us to think this. When something of the world looks to be the biggest truth, it's actually the biggest lie. So when we look at some, that's what the, how the enemy works. He, he comes and he says, we got to make this the biggest. And so you see the worst and you see the worst and you see the worst. And people say it's getting worse and it's going to be worse. And they tell you everything's getting worse. The truth behind it in God's kingdom is it's about to get a lot better. It's about, it's about what's actually happening underneath it is, is a lot better. That's why the scripture says in the last days, I will empty myself upon the earth. It may look like that and play like that right now, but that's actually not the truth in the stream. Amen. So don't be afraid. The Christmas message is fear not because the Lord is with you. I thought about it like this. Destiny will only be birthed if we learn how to overcome fear. The destinies that God has on our life and the purpose of what he created you for will only come into place when we learn how to overcome fear. Amen. If I were to survey most of you and ask you what your greatest breakthrough was in your life or where you saw God move the most, I bet you a lot of it would start with your greatest times of fear. I hit rock bottom or this thing happened. I didn't know how. And then God did. The Savior moved. Amen. And so there's four things we're going to take a look at. There's four characters in the Christmas story, and then we're going to, we're going to move into this series, Peace on Earth. Uh, and this is just the start of it, but four characters we want to take a look at, the fear that they had to overcome to bring us the Christmas message. And the first one is Mary. So point number one, Mary had the fear of being inadequate. Many of us have that same fear. She had this fear in her life, point number one, is she had this fear of not measuring up not being good enough. God called her into something. God spoke something to her. And her reaction was, how shall this be? I'm a virgin. I don't have this. And this didn't happen. And this didn't happen. How is it possible that you're choosing me? I don't have what it takes. And so the interesting thing about Mary is think about this pressure. Uh, pressure. They came to her and they said, hey, um, Mary, you're going to have a child. He's going to be Jesus. He's going to be Savior of the world. And here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to raise this child, which is hard work. Uh, and then the second thing about it is, by the way, when you raise him, um, don't try to make him perfect. He's got to be perfect. <laughs> right? We all have this pressure of, oh, my kid's got to get good, good grades. He's got to do all this kind of stuff. And we like live in that pressure of like, oh, but she had to make sure he was perfect. As a matter of fact, if he's not perfect, this whole thing goes out the window. If he sins and he messes up and he cusses on the playground, you lose it all. Like, the redeeming mankind is over. And so all this pressure of, 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 of perfection, and, and, and she wasn't even prepared to be. Amen. Okay, well, that, you know, okay, I guess she would say yes to it. I guess I'll do it. I don't feel adequate for this. I don't feel prepared. Uh, but I guess the angels are going to help me, and they're going to roll out the red carpet to me, and they're going to create this perfect little world for me to raise him in. Well, actually, no. He's going to be born in a manger. You're going to be rejected, and you're going to have to do it the hard way. Amen? Fear. Think about the fear of raising the Messiah, the Savior of the world, Jesus, God's child. And what does the angel say in Luke 1.28? The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. 
Many times God comes and speaks to you and it scares you. We think, oh, look at what have I done wrong? God's called me into this thing. I'm in this place of fear, but it's actually a place of favor. Let me say it again. Many times God calls you into something and it scares you and you want to run from it. It, it, It's not a thing of fear. You should see it as a place of favor. Thanks, Fred. A couple of you are with me. Hopefully they get get that later. Because that's the truth, you guys. I want to stay there. It's like we get afraid of what God calls us into, and we think, oh, I can't believe he called me this. This is the burden that i got to carry. And God's saying, it's not a burden. It's a favor. You're found in favor. This is a blessing. Amen? So Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Two times made it clear. This isn't something you should be in fear about. This is something you should be excited about because favor has been found in you. Sometimes the blessings of God will scare you, will call you into a place of thing. But just know that God spoke favor over you. Fear not, the Lord chose you for such a time as this. Here's what I would say to you today. When you look at those headlines and when you look at the news clips and you hear things of nuclear war, gun violence, the assault that we see happening uh, all throughout our news, natural disasters, when you see the hate of the world, the same thing could be said to you. Fear not, for the Lord has chose you for such a time as this. You're living in these days because God has found favor on you to make a difference. We need to stop saying someone should do something and start saying, I am the one, this is the place, and now is the time to start. Because God has found favor on you. He's put you here for such a time as this. Amen? So do not be afraid. God put you here for a reason. Number two, Joseph. Joseph had the fear of others' opinions. This is a tough one. Joseph had the fear of other opinions. The scripture says, when Joseph... Uh, here's the news of Mary has a child. Of course, they weren't together, if you know what I'm saying. And so he goes, what should I do with this? And the scripture says in Matthew 1.19 that he had in mind to divorce her quietly, to send her away. And the reason he was considering that was because of what other people would say. And so he's hearing what the townspeople would say. He was hearing what their opinions would be, what their disapprovals would be. And the scripture says in verse 20, but after he had considered this, sending her away, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, again, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Think about this now. Joseph is called to be the man who raises the son of God. And he was worried about the opinions of others and he considered stepping out of that call. You were favored and called and seen to be the father of the Messiah, of the Savior. And and you're like, well, I'm worried about what they might say, what those people might say. So I'm going to pull myself out of that kind of call. We would think it's ridiculous, right? But you know, we, we do that same thing all the time. God calls you into being a part of the salvation story. And we worry about what others would think. Um, maybe I shouldn't participate in that because so-and-so might say this and somebody might say this, and we miss being a part of the salvation story because we're worried about what other people might say or other people's opinion. Or what I love the most is the haters who come along and try to naysay it. 
God calls you into it. He speaks to you about it. And it doesn't look good for everybody else. And they don't like how it did. And so we listen to the haters and we, we step out of God's salvation plan that he's called you to be a part of. It's not okay, right? Don't be afraid. You walk in what God's called you to. I thought about it like this. <clears throat> Peer fear is what we'd really call it. The fear of our peers. Sometimes we spend more energy worrying about what other people here think than worrying about what God thinks and what God would speak. Amen? I thought about it like this. Uh, one of my mentors, he's real Southern, and so he says real crazy things, and then they're real truthful. <clears throat> you guys could probably guess who this guy is, but he says this. He says, you can't fly with eagles and listen, and listen to the gobbles of turkeys. <laughs> And it's funny, but that's good. <laughs> but seriously, we're, we're over here praying to God. God, I want to be used. I want to soar. I want to mount up with wings as eagle. I want to walk in the miraculous. And then you got these idiots over here gobbling about how you can't do it. And we listen to the gobble. <laughs> Amen. And so we're back over here praying with God and he's speaking to you and he's giving you a sign and he's showing you and he's motivating you. And then cluck comes along. <laughs> Right. What does Jim Harbaugh call it? Where's my Michigan guys? Gobble, gobble, turkey jive, something like that. Whatever Harbaugh says, we'll go with. Amen. I need a bigger amen. Amen. <laughs> and, so, and so that's the truth. I'm serious. I would almost bet if you could watch it, we almost spend more time making decisions based on these voices than this voice. And this is the loudest and the messiest and the whatever. And, and, amen? And so Joseph's in the same place. He's like, man, I got God spoke this to me and God said this to me. But then I got these other people over here that are going to do this. Uh, I love this saying when it comes to haters in your life because they're out there. And, and really, a hater is somebody who's mad at what you're doing because they're unwilling to put in the effort that you're willing to put in. So they just hate on you and hate on you because they just don't want to sacrifice like you do. And so really, they're, they're, they're just dead. They're, they're unwilling to be fruitful in advance the way that you're willing to be fruitful in advance. They don't want to water the ground. They don't want to tend the ground. And so I love this statement. When it comes to those haters in your life, you just don't water dead plants. It's a dead plant in your life. It doesn't produce for you. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything with you. So you just don't water dead plants. And sometimes when you're walking in the salvation message, you're walking with what God has, you're, you're walking along what he spoke to you, uh, there, there's just seasons of like those kinds of people that you just don't listen. You listen to what God spoke, amen? And I'm grateful that Joseph did that, that he listened to what God spoke instead of searching after the approval of others. Number three, uh, we see angels showing up to the shepherds. Number three, the shepherds had the fear of sudden change the fear of sudden change. What we see here in Luke chapter two, verse eight, it says, and they were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. We need to just stop being so scared of God's supernatural. Amen. 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 Um, so verse 10 but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. It's good news. Don't worry about it, Preston. 
And so today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in manger clothes, in, or in uh, clothes, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whomever his favor rests. Uh, here's what I want to set up in all of this is, first of all, the angels show up and they speak. That's great. And then did you notice more join them? Because what I think about these shepherd people is they're probably like a lot of us West Michigan people. They just kind of like their stuff the way it is. Don't move our traditions. Don't take me out of the field. I like to do it my way. I'm the same old Dutch old. Amen. <laughs> and so the angels or the heavenly hosts, they had to actually come and kind of double down on this group. Because they were just shepherd. They like to do their same old thing every day, the same old stuff. And so sudden change came. Like, hey, I came and I spoke to you and God shows up and they get terrified. Why? Because change was coming. They liked their predict predictable life. They liked a real boxed theology and religious experience. Amen. But then the power of God showed up in their life and it terrified them because change was about to happen. Amen. And so they had fear of sudden change, that God was about to rearrange some things in their life. The miraculous shows up and disrupts your field. That happens in our life. God shows up with a miraculous call, with a big assignment, and it disrupts our field. Amen? Most of God's biggest moves I've experienced in my life are sudden. It's not, not in a negative way, like he pulls the rug out from underneath you, but more of like a kind of throws you out of the boat. And sometimes it feels like it makes you walk the plank. <laughs> Amen? But a lot of times in life, it's a sudden change that God calls you into because we can be those stubborn field shepherds and you need something extreme to get you moving. I still don't like it in my life when God does quick things. I'm the don't touch my stuff guy. Just don't touch my stuff, right? My wife gets in my truck and she moves things. Come on, Bo. It's my truck. I put that there for a reason. Don't touch my stuff. <laughs> because I like it the same way. I like it the same way. I like everything the same way. And, uh, and, you know, God, he needs to change that up on you. It's something we shouldn't live that way in the kingdom of God. And so he comes in and he messes up this whole field thing. I thought about it like this. It does take sacrifice. It does take us changing. Dreams have a price tag. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want will be the sacrifice. Dreams have a price tag. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want will be the sacrifice. I love what Levi Lusco says, Pastor Levi says, the reward of avoiding pain is staying the same. The reward of avoiding pain or change is you stay the same. You don't get more. You don't do more. You don't inherit more. You just stay the same. Uh, I love it this, when you say it this way. If you do what you can do, God will do what God can do. If you do what you can, God will do what you can't. So change, so move, so let God take you in sudden change and move you out of the same old field. And fear not. Amen? And this kind of leads into the fourth point, which is this. Point number four, King Herod had the fear of losing control. 
Uh, if you study his life, his entire life was built on trying to be a king who controlled and reigned from this throne that he could control. Uh, what you see in the Christmas story is when he heard that the Savior, the Messiah, was potentially born or born, uh, he put in an order for everyone to and under to be killed. Why? Because he knew that that Savior and that throne would disrupt the control of his throne. So he puts in an order. He's also the same guy who assassinated his wife, his two sons, his brother-in-law, and even his mother, all from the place of trying to be in control. Now, none of you would say, oh my God, I mean, all of us go, oh my gosh, what a terrible person. I can't believe he would do that to his family and uh, he would do that to the call of God in the world and I can't believe he would do that. But do you know that many of us actually do that in a way? We hurt our family because of the way we're trying to control. We hurt our wives. We hurt our, amen? Because control, control, and we're assassinating their destiny. We're, caught, we're holding them down. We're controlling out of fear. Amen? We kind of operate in the same way. And I would say it the same thing. He put in order to eliminate what God was trying to do on the earth by Jesus coming. Do you know that when we live in fear and we can try to control our own lives and do it our own way, do you know that you'd stifle the call of God on even your life? You almost called the same order. Amen? Amen? I know we don't like the control one. But we, we, we operate the same way. I thought about it like this. Sometimes we need to come off the throne so God can be on it. God actually didn't call you to control. He called you to be obedient. So many times we think, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. God wants to do it with you, like through you, but, but his way. Amen. And so we just got to think in our life, am I letting fear, am I controlling all of this because I'm afraid that it's not going to turn out the way I want it to turn out? Can I tell you God's way of turning it out is much better? Amen? I'll close with this. Uh, Mary makes this awesome response that I think we all should make to fear. If she says this, which many of us have heard, so we have all of these different kinds of fear, control and sudden change, and uh, we have, we're worried about the opinions of others, and are we inadequate, and you know, all of these kinds of things. And so Mary's response tells us brilliantly how we should respond to the message of Christmas and the message of fear not, I've sent a Savior. Mary says this, let it be unto me according to your word. Here's what I want to say about this. Her response is, God, whatever your word is, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm not going to be in fear. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be troubled. Instead, what I'm going to do is cling to what you're saying. So what that tells me is in this world, with all that we see and all that comes on TV, the only way that we're going to accomplish what God called us to is if we know what God is saying. Because she said, let it be unto me according to what you're saying, your word what you're speaking to me. I thought about it like this, that Christmas song. Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? That should be our, our, our everyday thought. Are we seeing what God is seeing? Are we hearing what God is hearing? Are we seeing what God is saying? Because we need a word to hold on to. Where when that fear creeps in, when stuff pops up, we go, oh, you know what, God, I hear what you're saying though. I see what they're saying. I see what they're reporting. I hear what they're announcing, but I also see what you're seeing. And I hear what you're hearing. Amen. When God is near, 
there is no fear. What does that mean? When we make a worship decision to draw near to God, it eliminates fear in our life. It's hit the fan and we're stressed and we're struggling and everything's going on. And you find a place of worship. You go get a song or you get out your word or you get a devotion and you eliminate fear. Why? Because you go and you get God's words and you say, be it unto me according to what you're saying. Uh, Do you know that Mary actually wrote a song? She responded in worship. If you look in your Bible at Luke chapter one, verse 46, it's called Mary's song. And she made a worship decision. God spoke to her. She said, I'm gonna walk in obedience and now I'm gonna worship you. And look how real this song is if you're thinking about a pregnant woman. Verse 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. Verse 47, And my spirit rejoices, rejoice, builds itself back up in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. She's over here going, oh, I'm reminding myself to be in joy. God has chose me in this humble state. My feet are swollen. I'm eating crazy food. I'm all pregnant with the Savior. He's he's remembered me in this state. And then it says this, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me in his holy name. And this is called Mary's song. It's her worship decision to her fearful place. The pressure of raising a perfect child, the pressure of what people would say. She responds by saying, God, I'm gonna be obedient and then I'm gonna worship you. Why? Because worship drives out fear. So when you see those headlines, what do we do? We draw near to God and we worship and we drive out fear. Praise is the correction to panic. When you have panic in your life and you get that anxiety building up, you start to praise God. You start to sing Mary's song. God, you, you, you remembered me in this humble state, the ways that I've messed it up, the ways that I've gone wrong, but I'm worshiping you. And according to your word, we're gonna do this. Worship is the cancellation of worry. When we start to worship and use our faith and speak worship, it's the cancellation of worry in our life. Amen? Pastor Lee Cummings uh, tweeted this this week. I thought it was really good. It says, fear is no longer your leader. Some of you need to know. Fear is no longer your leader. It doesn't lead you when you wake up. It doesn't lead you when you go to bed. It doesn't lead you in your quiet place. Fear is not your leader. Pain is not your compass. You don't make decisions about where you're going on. on, Is it going to hurt? Is it going to cost me? Status is not your standing. Your fleshly desires are not your motivation. You are a child of God, accepted, adopted, empowered. You have an eternal inheritance. Heaven is cheering you on and the earth is waiting for you to arise. Fear not, don't be afraid, he's with you. The scripture has 7,000 promises for you. 7,000 promises for your life. That's the good news. That's the good, that's not the news. Everything you hear is not the news. The news in peace on earth is that God has 7,000 promises for your life that you can walk in. I love the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. (coughs) It has this line that says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. When he came, he met all of your, he, he erased all your fears, he took your fears and met your hope. 
The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Everything you need has been done in the manger. All of those headlines have already been healed and already been solved. And God is working all the way back to the manger. Amen. Isaiah 9, 6 says for to us, you all know this. For to us, a child is born to us. A son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Like the most peace is what that means. He will be peace. Everything about him in our life will be all our peace. Amen.